What is happening guys? Back with another one today. Um, hope that you're all well and that you've had a good weekend. Coming at you with some content today, some informative content. Um, and it's one that I really think should be spoken about more. Um, and that is just the impact that the menstrual cycle has overall on our progression across the four week cycle. Um, like there's so much that goes on and sometimes it can be really like it can really bring someone down when they feel like it's something wrong with them when in actual fact it's just what's going on with the hormonal balance in their body and it, it truly baffles me that in a school education curriculum we need to learn about fucking trees and how plants grow and what clouds are but we're not taught the impact of the menstrual cycle and what happens like it's it's absurd um so anyway the idea here today is to give you an insight into what's going on explain the process but do it in a way where i'm not going to completely go over your head and ramble on for an hour but not to the point where i dumb it down too much in this podcast last five minutes um so the pod, uh, not the podcast, sorry, the cycle has an impact on so many things. And to just sort of generalize a few of them, we have our skill weight, our body composition, our hunger levels, our strength, our digestion, our temperature. And that's just to name a few. There's more as we'll go into it. And at different times in the different cycles, and our bodies will have a different response to it. And it's just being able to understand what's happening and why. So obviously the menstrual cycle is predominantly occurs in the ovaries, but it actually starts up in the brain. Um, there's a part of your brain called the hypothalamus, which essentially acts as a sensor. And then basically a hormone is released. Not that we're going to go into that. It's called GnRH. And that signals the pituitary, anterior pituitary to produce two kinds of hormones which is called fh f eh, we do this in the one take fsh and lh and that is follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone and these have a direct impact on our hormone levels in terms of estrogen and progesterone as we go through the cycle it trends downwards from the brain to the ovaries so there is two phases to the cycle there is the first phase which is known as the follicular phase and there's phase two which is known as the luteal phase and they both have two very different impacts on the body on our progression on our overall just internal feelings so if we consider i'm not going to dive into like the sort of actual cycle per se we're more just going to explain the kind of phases what happens and why so the cycle actually starts it occurs with menses so Bleeding essentially when you get and when you start bleeding, you're essentially starting a new cycle, and that's the follicular phase, which occurs from day one to day fourteen. Should probably just um, put like a heads up here. This is going to assume that the cycle occurring is regular. We're not going to dive into anything today like PCOS. We're not going to dive into things like birth control or irregular cycles like PCOS or menopause or anything. I just want to keep it simple and to the point otherwise this really will turn into a very long very long podcast um so anyway fsh hormone dominates the follicular phase and within this phase our body is estrogen dominant it's the hormone estrogen which dominates the cycle 
Then the luteal phase is day 15 to day 28, the second phase, and that is dominated by progesterone. In the midpoint of the cycle, around day 14, ovulation occurs at the halfway point. And at this point, we can see a small spike in testosterone. So about the halfway point of the cycle, you might find yourself feeling really fucking strong. So if you're going to be looking to hit a big lift, a big PB, and you want to work it within your cycle, try and uh, try and aim for around ovulation time because that's when we will get that spike in testosterone. Um, so yeah, looking at things, we're going to sort of break it down to different categories today. The effect that each phase and part of the cycle will have on the body. So just looking at body weight initially, let's take things nice and simply. We know that when you begin the cycle, the follicular phase, I'm just gonna, for, for easement's sake, I'm gonna call it phase one and phase two. Phase one, body weight's actually gonna be at its lightest across the month, and then it'll get slightly heavier as you get towards the late, phase, late stages of phase one, and then after ovulation in phase two, it'll get slightly lighter again, and then we're going to be at our heaviest right before the end of the cycle. And straight away, based off that, the fact that we know that the weight will change across the month, sometimes it doesn't actually make sense to compare within a cycle. We don't necessarily want to compare the phases. Like week one of phase one versus week four of phase two are going to be two very different readings, potentially, especially if we're not on a given deficit where we're really trying to drive some progress. But what can make a lot of sense and can be a true sign of progression can be comparing weeks of each cycle, i.e. you compare week one of this cycle to week one of your next cycle and you're down two kilograms, then that's true reflection of how much weight you have actually lost. Um, and just knowing that sometimes when you step on the scale and you feel like you're doing really good and you're on plan, but it's up in weight, it can be knowing where you're at in the cycle can help mitigate that stress. As I say, a lot of uh, a lot of the th times, if we can just literally mitigate the stress from worrying what are we doing wrong versus okay, it's where I'm at in my cycle and it's nothing I can do or control, that can be such a relief. Um, something I found as well. It's the same with body composition. Body composition is going to be at its best just when you begin phase one. You're going to have low water retention and there's going to be less um, intra-extracellular water concentration, which is going to be higher late on in the luteal phase when we're progesterone dominant. Um, these two hormones, estrogen and progesterone, they have a direct effect on sodium levels within the body, which basically will impact things like that water retention and bloating. Um, so it's just knowing that that can be a thing. So I always say to people, your body composition is going to be at its worst as you get towards the end of the cycle. And then it's as we enter into a new cycle, general rule of thumb is two to four days into the new cycle is when you're going to be at your lightest, but also when your body composition is going to be at its best and you're going to get a true idea and a true reflection of where you're at, um, which can be really quite handy to know as well. Then in terms of your body temperature, your body temperature actually rises by about half a degree um, in phase two when it's progesterone dominant. Um, so thermogenesis means occurs, which basically means that we feel warmer as well. So sometimes you might feel quite hot, quite warm when you're in the second, um, second stage of the cycle. And this in itself can actually be a really handy tool for keeping track of where you're at. Um, especially if it's not regular um, and you don't know when it's occurring. If you feel yourself getting hotter and your body temperature is up, that can be an idea of where you're at in the cycle. Or potentially as well, 
where if you've lost your period for one reason or another, that can give you an idea of what sort of stage your body's at. If you're not bleeding, you can kind of know where you're at there. And it can also be a handy tracking tool um, if you want to track when to get pregnant <laughs> as another thing. So obviously it occurs just after ovulation with uh, that increase in progesterone. So it's a really handy tool to sort of monitor that sort of temperature and see what's happening there. If we look at things like strength, now different studies have shown different findings. So at best we can call it inconclusive. It will be more person dependent. But at the same time, we know that at the beginning of the cycle and at the end of the cycle, your strength probably will not be as high just around the time of menses occurring as you get closer to that as well. Energy will be lower, fatigue will be higher. But then as you get closer to ovulation, that strength should rise. And you, as I said, will have that spike in testosterone. So you'll find that you're feeling super strong about the halfway point of the cycle. And that's not to say that you can't get PBs or you use that as an excuse to slack off. Like this is person dependent. Some people don't have any impact. They don't feel anything from the cycle where others get hit really hard. Um, that's not to say you, um, you scare away from trying to get big lifts. But sometimes if you're not feeling particularly strong, again, it's the hormonal balance in the body. And just knowing that can ease so much stress. If you've been smashing the PBs out and then you go in next week and you feel all weak all of a sudden, you're like, what am I doing wrong? Could just be progesterone balance in the body things like that um, what we can also consider is the cycle's effect on our basal metabolic rate on our cravings on our hunger so i'm sure many of you listening will have experienced at some point as you get closer to the cycle occurring or the end of your previous cycle hunger is higher cravings is higher so basically when the progesterone hormone is occurring in the body and it's dominant we actually have an increase in our basal metabolic rate, which is essentially how many calories our body will burn at complete rest. So by that logic, we're going to need to give our body more calories in the stages because the energy demands are higher. Um, when we are at the ovulation point, you'll find that midpoint that your BMR is at its lowest, so hunger will be at its lowest. Same at the early stages of phase one. BMR is lower, so hunger will be lower. Um, a tried and tested method I've utilized with many clients at this point now is actually increasing your calories around the late stages of phase two where essentially that BMR is higher. And I always say to them, it's not a case of the fact that you need to use them. Like they're there anywhere from 150 to 300 per day can work well, depending on the individual. But just knowing that you have it there can remove the stress and the guilt of having the cravings feeling like you can't have it because you'll go over your calories. So say you're on like day 24 and cravings are through the roof and you've already maxed out your calories and you can barely control it. That's going to lead to feelings of guilt. As I say, it's going to lead to high stress. Stress response in the body, it spikes blood sugar levels, which will only make cravings worse. And we're going to build up this tolerance to this food where we feel like we can't have it. And in 99 cases out of 100, that will lead to an eventual and inevitable episode of overeating of particular food, which as a side note is why it's always important to include the foods that we're craving day to day within our daily food intake. It changes the mindset from I'm on a diet and I can't have this to I can eat what I want as long as I'm conscious about my food choices and I can still make progress. I can eat the foods I love and make the progress towards my goal that I desire. So that's a really handy thing to look at there. This isn't necessarily something that I enforce upon this rule, but 
when we are closer to the cycle, our body is less insulin sensitive. Um, its ability to store and uptake glycogen and glucose goes down, which essentially means that our body doesn't handle carbs as well in the second part of the cycle, which can sometimes mean that it's a lot better to choose fats to increase your calories by. But at the same time, if you don't want fats and you just want carbs, what's that really going to do? It's still going to create that same restrictive mindset that you can't have this. So I always just say um, to the girls I coach, if you're increasing your calories, just stick within them. Have the carbs or the fats. Um, we're not necessarily professional athletes. We're not trying to treat ourselves like that. As long as you stay within it, you're going to be fine. But just knowing that when our insulin sensitivity is lower, it means that glucose from carbohydrates is more likely to go to fat tissue rather than towards building muscle because again in this second phase our body's in more of a catabolic state where muscle breakdown rather than muscle building occurs and our ability to add muscle in this phase is decreased and that's not to say it can't happen it's just less and I know you're probably hearing this and thinking this phase two sucks and it definitely does Um, but at the same time we can still make progress within it it's more for me about having an understanding of what's going on to help release and relieve that stress. Because when it comes to long-term progress, if we're not on top of our stress levels, we're never really gonna get anywhere in the sense that our body's stress response, it just, it can fuck us in so many different ways. And I am not gonna go off on a tangent on that one because that will be another 20 minutes of me rambling on about stress. But stress, stress management is everything and just knowing what's going on can be really handy. Um, so, Basically, phase two, your body's not so good at handling carbs. It's not so good in its ability to build muscle. Phase one is the opposite. You can really put those carbs to good use. It's most likely to go to the muscle rather than the fat adipose tissue. And our ability to um, build muscle is much higher. But again, we don't want to be limited by that mindset of, oh, I'm on phase two of the period. I can't do this. I can't do that. This is going to be shit. I'm not going to make any progress. Like, we can still get on with it to the best of our ability. It's just knowing and accepting that we might not be able to thrive as much as we could in phase one. So that's just another little bit there. Another thing that can happen is the digestive issues that come along with being late in the cycle. So basically, we go into phase two that progesterone hormone, it can slow your gut motility, um, which basically means it still passes through slower. And that in itself can lead to a variety of symptoms that you may experience, such as you're not as regular as going to the toilet, you might be bloated, um, buildup of gas, and all that is occurring because of the presence of that hormone in the body. So if you ever feel like you get these kind of um, symptoms closer to the cycle, again, it's completely normal. And that's kind of one massive takeaway I want to take. I want you to take away from this podcast today is when you're hearing these things and thinking, yeah, that occurs with me, that, that happens, that happens. It's knowing that it's normal and that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. So if you do happen to be gassy or feel a bit bunged up or bloated, closer to the cycle it's literally to do with that that hormonal balance and then right before menses occurs right at the end of the last stages of the cycle the levels of progesterone they rapidly drop so you should find a lot of that issues go away in terms of you should feel more regular less less bloated and whatnot and all that can make a massive difference so yeah that's a kind of little breakdown of what can go on within the cycle so if we just want to sort of summarize we have phase one 
the first half of the cycle. Things are peachy there, things are sweet. Our hunger is lower, our motivation is higher, because that's one thing I didn't even touch on. You may find that in the presence of progesterone, your brain's frontal lobe is impacted, which essentially means that that's where your brain's sort of center for motivation, for willpower, adherence is. So if you find yourself lower on energy, fatigued, and you've got that, oh, I can't be bothered feeling, again, totally normal, and it should go away as you've entered into a new cycle. So we've got that to consider. We've got in the first half of the cycle that your body weight is going to be at its lowest. Your body composition is going to be at its best. Water retention will be lower. You're going to be in a much better position to handle things like carbohydrates. You're going to be in a much better position to build muscle. And we're going to be a lot more anabolic versus catabolic. Then as we get to that halfway point in the cycle, that ovulation mark, um, that's where things start to change over. We get that small spike in testosterone, PB time, <laughs> and then we transition to phase two, the second half. At this point, things to look out for include rising body temperature. Scale weight might fluctuate a little bit. Your hunger can go up. You can feel more tired. We have that um, digestive issues that I've just spoke about. And it's just knowing and expecting these things to come. So that rather than being like, fuck, what is going on? You're a no to expect it. And this is where tools like tracking your cycle can come in really handy. It's things I encourage the girls I coach to do. A really handy app to use can be Flow, which is F-L-O. And then that way you can kind of keep on top of things. Um, and again, this is all aimed at a regular 28-day cycle. If your cycles are irregular, then it's a little bit harder to track, but you can still look out for these symptoms that come along with it so you can get an idea. And even things like PCOS, when it is really irregular, looking out for things like um, increasing body temperature, feeling a little bit hungrier, that kind of thing. It can all be indicators. And over time, you should be able to pick up on these patterns and trends because there's not necessarily um, a definitive, you're going to experience all these things. Like I've got some girls that they don't experience anything really. They're totally fine. They go from one cycle to the next and there's no issues. But then you've got others that get hit with it hard. And it's just understanding your body and how it responds and knowing what to look out for, what to expect. And I can give you an idea and you can sort of baseline your progress around that in terms of your lifts in the gym, in terms of knowing what's going on with your scale weight and your hunger and whatnot. So hopefully this was useful today. Hopefully this hasn't just completely went over your head. I have tried to keep it nice and simple. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions or feedback off of this, please do let me know. I'm going to keep it short and sweet to the point today because I'm bad for going off on tangents. Um, yeah, hope you're having a good week. Um, if you're on ovulation, go and smash some PBs. If you're not, go and smash some PBs anyway. We don't use it as an excuse to make progress or not make progress. So whether you're a female listening to this, whether you have a girlfriend and your guy it can help give you an understanding of what's going on with you're an up-and-coming coach there should be some value and takeaways from this this is a podcast for anybody to listen to hopefully you got something and i will catch up with you all very soon thank you